Got it. Um, I want to introduce Helen Gillet. Did I get the pronunciation right? Nailed it. And she's an artist who is a cellist, singer, songwriter, and surrealist archaeologist. Her performances at Opus 40 last summer were nothing short of a surreal experience from the moment she began plucking and bowing her stuff. So uh, um, she is playing again at Opus 40, and you should not miss her. It was really a treat hearing her last year. She'll be playing June 16th, I think at between 5.30 and 8.30. I think there's a band before you maybe, or are you playing with them? Uh, no, I'm going to play first, actually. Oh, you're going to play first. So be there yeah. at 5.30. I'll, I'll probably start closer to six, but yeah, you okay, should get there yeah, five thirty. Get there five thirty. <laughs> it's a big place. It's beautiful. You wanna you wanna enjoy it. the place is really on first, like exploring the grounds and enjoying the location. That's the first band. Then I'll be playing, and then um, we'll have uh, the the other band will play after me. Yes, and it's sort of like a surreal experience there also. So it's a surrealist performance artist playing at a yes. sort of a surrealist. Yes, I'm, I'm so excited to discover it um, more. Because Will I you tell us all about what Opus 40 is, please, for those of us who might not know? Yeah, um, I mean, do you, you, you uh, know more up, than yeah, me. Yeah, Opus 40 is a sculpture piece by a bard professor whose name I can't remember. It starts with an F, but, uh, you know, I uh, should have done a little research. And Opus 40, he built this place over 37 years with the rocks of the area. It just goes on and on. I don't know how he moved all this stuff. It's sort of an insane looking kind of project. So it's because, on the Bard campus in Red Hook? No, it's off the Bard campus. It's oh, okay. in Saugerties, like two okay. miles from where my house is. And that's where he lived. And they turned it into an event space and uh, you know, a place to visit and a place to see his work. Got yeah. It. And it is it is absolutely meticulous and a obsessive compulsive lifelong. It would it took a lifetime. I'm surprised that he finished it in a lifetime. I don't I, know if he finished. Did he finish? <laughs> well, I mean, it's never going to be finished, right? I mean, right. I, you somebody with that kind of mind and that meticulous OCD kind of creativity and and uh, determination and stubborn drive is never finished, you know? Um, oh, I think this is a great place to start our conversation, finishing. I love that. Like, yeah. so I I have two questions for you. I don't know why, they came out of my gut for, for, okay. for, for, for Helen. Um, first of all, do you watch television? I don't know why when I listened to your, that, that your music, I said, I wonder if this person actually watches television. <laughs> because I, because I don't know why I just I don't know why that question came to me and whether or not you felt like I felt like I thought I was going to know the answer but I'm interested in your in in your response to that question. Well, I don't own a television. I haven't. <laughs> I, I haven't had one since I was a maybe a kid, you know. Um, but I. I've so no, I don't. But I will say that with the you know on my laptop, I'll definitely watch shows and and get, I love movies and getting it you know. So I I use my laptop to watch TV or TV. You know, I, I watch so little of it; it's amazing. I stopped but, watching TV, and yeah. just because I got so much to like, I just rather be working on stuff than watching TV most of the time. And yeah, so, I like going down rabbit holes. You it know? is, yeah, yeah, with but, with, with, with streaming. Well, yeah, with streaming or with, uh, yeah, somebody's work or I, I listen to a lot of books on Audible because I'm yes. a touring musician. So I'll put the Audible on in the car and drive around the America, you know, um, and uh, it's really great. I, I, I love, love Audible also. Yeah, I love yeah, that. I love it, too. I, I listen mm -hmm. to a lot of I'm obsessed right now with Star Wars, but that's separate. That's separate. Ooh, okay. I want to I want to I want to go back to the second question that I wanted to ask which is, um, which you've started, which was finishing. Um, somehow, it's somehow connected to television. I'm sure we'll get back to that or streaming or or consuming of, of, of information, but um, do you feel like you're finished? Like at the end of any piece or you're, 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 you're stopping for the moment? How do you define finishing? I, I feel like it's a stroke of a paintbrush and at some point you have to release it. 
and that's that's as finished as it feels when I end the song. And I want to dive right into something else. Um, sometimes the silence is just as interesting as what happened before. You know, pl- the your the context of of the contrast of the silence after you finish layer. I, I'm layering a lot of things, and then at the end, that release. It's a release, not an ending. It's like a release, and then a time for reflection, a time for audience expressing if their enjoyment. Uh, it's a time for really it's a release you know of some sort it's like a um a pause a a reflection and no I'm never finished I never feel finished to to the point where I you know I've had a lot of like therapeutic moments of my (laughs) life are are you you know like oh my goodness well I I may be much like uh Mr. F will call him who made that rock garden oh you are that OCD uh I I um We'll, we'll get interested in something and then I just don't let go. And I just like write it until I feel like I can release it. And it's not finished. I'll never feel finished, but I feel like it's like a paintbrush and then right. a release. And then uh, I, and- when you lift the brush off of the surface, I understand. I got you. That's right. what it feels like when I'm ending a song, you know, and then I'm wondering what the next stroke is going to be. So nice. Wow. And was that is has that been a practice from early on, or is this sort of learned? Or <laughs> honestly, I've never used that metaphor before, but I'm showing off because we have got a poet in the house. So um, <laughs> no, I, I but but I I feel like um, I feel like when I was classically trained, I was in a cubicle for eight hours a day learning how to play the cello. Right, so that's a whole different can of worms than my my unfolding when I, after I was 19, I became improviser, uh, improvising. I got really interested in improvising through Indian classical music, a uh, twist of fate that put me in the path of an Indian musician that, uh, in, that opened up my ears for the first time, woke them up in a different way. And then I was hooked on it, but I'd been, um, in high school, I'd been a creative, um, I've been drumming with a with band, like drumming wow. for fun. My brother was a drummer, so I'd sit on his kit sometimes and try to play. And and then I felt like I could just kind of do whatever, whereas cello was like my serious practice thing. You know, it was very rigid, but also beautiful and fluid in its own classical way. But it was... Uh, when, did, when did you start playing? What age? I was nine when I started Why? the cello. Who picks, a cello? Who picks up a cello at nine? Well... <laughs> My parents were both very musical. I'm I'm sitting at my mother's piano, and I, I don't know. Um, here is the piano, but I am. Um, I my mother was a pianist, and my father played also piano and baritone horn. She also played. My mother played the clarinet. So my family was very musical, and it was not if you know you're going to play; it's what you're going to play. So my brother and I just had to choose something at nine. So I have my parents to thank, um, in large part. And you for... picked the cello. Why did you pick the cello? Sort of interesting choice for a nine-year-old. Well, I was freakishly tall. I'm a tall girl, you know, tall woman. So my whole life, I have that tall girl thing where I mean, not anymore because I'm learning to stand tall now. But I had that thing where I was like, oh, I got to make myself a little smaller, uh, you know. And it, it's uh, it's an unfortunate thing don't if anybody's listening don't do that you know stand tall own your height own your talents own your skills own your weirdness um yes, yes totally yes but but you know i i i definitely um had you know luckily i was raised in three continents so i was just kind of confused most of my childhood and in but a good a, way but it's all but it's also a tall instrument so i'm surprised that you reflected onto that like somehow the scale with your body that okay. it was three, so made it, her feel smaller yeah, yeah. Well, I started out wanting to play the bass. This is what I'm getting at. So I wanted to play the upright bass because I thought I'm tall enough and, you know, and my mother loved the cello and she thought she could kind of trick me because they look very similar. <laughs> so she pushed me into the cello and I'm actually really glad because the instrument um, is small enough that I could play it like a guitar with all this finger picking stuff that I do and strumming, but then I can also play it like a bass, you know? And so I do, I do. Oh, watching you play, and I've watched a lot of it. I watched Votur the other day. I'm not even sure if I pronounced that right. Yeah. And you added another element, which was putting on 
like a vulture was that yeah, a vulture? It was yeah. supposed to be a little bit disgusting it was a it was a, yeah, a, it was a, a clay a clay mask that fell off my face and i was ripping it off and um it's about culture vultures and how we all <laughs> sort of steal from others and but, i but certainly it was so have... beautiful and, and it was a little dark but i yeah. love that stuff and we uh, love dark we love we dark, dark. <laughs> we love we dark. dark. And, uh, me too what, what, what was amazing <laughs> about it was that it reminded me of sort of performance artists of the six, the seventies. You know, I grew up in that period. You know, I lived in San Francisco in 75, 76, when their performance art was like a huge thing. This would be like a, nor a thing and to see it brought back and mm. done. I mean, you, not only are you a musician, but you're an artist, you know? Oh, thank and, you. And I, I, if you can see the white cello up there in the distance, yes. um, I paint. I, I collected 15 broken cellos in Amarillo, Texas, when I was about a decade ago. I, I I answered an eBay ad and I drove to Amarillo, which is a long, boring drive from New Orleans, and I got 15 cellos to fit in my car. All um, broken. All broken. Mo mostly broken. There were a couple uh, that worked, and I sold one to pay for the whole lot. So wow. Um, but they they uh they were. I painted them white and um, I also have experimented on them. I played a noise festival where I, I broke one with an ex, uh, a sander and amplified it as it was breaking and it was this whole thing. But I project onto these. Well, I don't. I work with uh, wonderful uh, projection artists who we talk a lot. I have a, a woman that I work with. Her name's Lauren Barron. Um, she goes by Shivers. Anyway, she um, she projects. She, we're going to do a show together in um, in Baltimore and in New York City. Um, but I would love to bring her with me every time I perform because wow. we have really we've really workshopped my music, and she puts her flavor, which she made that clay mask in Vautour, and wow, I. It was I I enjoy stunning. collaborating with visual <laughs> artists. I'm super inspired by, I used to be a clay artist in high school. I used to do sculpture. And I think I'm getting back into that at this point in my life. I'm, I'm up here at my cabin in the summers in order to write and compose again. But also I find myself in the garden sort of creating these weird things. And so I kind of relate to Mr. F from Bard at Opus 40. I can relate to this, you know, it's yeah. like, just getting obsessed with the materials at hand that come from Mother Earth, and and you know the cello is is quite a re refined piece of wood, but um, but I I hit it you know like a drum, and I I resonate it in its essence. It's just it's the whole body. I try to use all of it, you know. So that's interesting. Like um, so um, yeah. I mean, I can totally hear RV fight. Thank you. That's the uh, sculpture. That's the Opus 40. The Opus 40. Harvey What's Fight, F-I-T-E. Ooh, Fight. What a great name. Think, yeah, yeah Harvey it, Fight. And just because I would like to send this along to Opus 40. To, you know, <laughs> yeah, we can't. For, thank you very well, much. Well, they're going to hear that already. So. <laughs> you know we forgot, but we, we took, thank you for taking the time. Harvey yeah. Fight. That's so, -E, yeah. this, this kind of... Is is because it, it sounds it, it's you know as you describe it it sounds like a collage, right? It sounds as though, or mm. feels as though I only I've only seen limited. I saw it, I was on the mm. other side of a digital screen watching you perform what was very emotional. Your TED talk, you know, and I was I was like, oh, she plays the cello, and then when your voice showed up, I was I I, I didn't know exactly what to expect. And that was another dimension. So this multi-dimensional, you know, for because what you're talking about is like multi-dimensional. Yeah, well, you know, when you think about my trajectory as a musician, it's classical and then Indian music and then jazz, but jazz via New Orleans avant-garde and traditional. Mm -hmm. So I ended up, and I ended up really gravitating towards the avant-garde because, um, the extended technique I was I was getting into as a cellist. I have a master's degree, so by then you're playing like, you know, a lot of a lot of modern, well, which is now old, but 1950s on um, com compositions that are doing a lot of extended technique and weird. You know, uh, I just loved all these sounds coming out of this instrument with 
harmonics and all these possibilities. And I, I played the Kodai unaccompanied cello sonata. And that was just, that was it. I just had to, it was like the gateway. I, I had all these, I had all these uh, gateways into jazz and improv improvising, you know, and improvised yeah, and music. And your music, your music is very, in a lot of ways very visual also. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, you know, Sun Ra and all the guys in, in his band, they all talk about visual. They all talk yeah. about color, uh, yeah. the color spectrum. And and you you have to be connected with the natural world when you're at a level of improvising. It just, you know, um, there's that beautiful... Um, Milford Graves documentary that praying mantis that is so inspiring to me too because he lives in this state of nature and I I I know I I sort of shock people because I hear it's like woman comes out with a cello and you're like okay and then you know you're kind of expecting a certain thing but then I really have had 20 years of training in New Orleans playing like a lot with a lot of people I'm so lucky you know uh yeah. Michael Ray um, and Jimmy Hobbs both played in Sun Ra's orchestra. And I was with, I was, I met them my first year there because I was the only cellist on the scene doing anything like avant-garde. Right. And so, and really putting myself out there. I've got a lot of chutzpah. I don't know where I got that from. I'm just born with it, I guess. But I, <laughs> I think, you know. Claim it, claim it like the high, claim it I like just, the high. I, yeah. I wanted, if you're crazy enough, see, I was, I came from, you know, I, I was in Madison, Wisconsin and Chicago before I moved to New Orleans. And I thought, well, I could, Chicago's a great city for jazz. Why, I could stay here and learn it because I was getting real interested in it. But it felt closed off to me, whereas New Orleans, I, it was just because I was, I was really green. I didn't know what I was doing as an improviser yet. So I was needing to get in the mix and learn from my elders, from my teachers in a place that would welcome me. And I felt like when I went to New Orleans, if you're if you're crazy enough and had determined enough in New Orleans to get up on stage in front of a bunch of people, it's a celebrated character trait in New Orleans. You're so, you got you got an instrument, you're willing to do it. I just got on stage with everybody that would have me. I they're like, Well, we've never had a cellist in our band. I'm like, what, give me your trombone chart. <laughs> oh, you, I, yeah, we, no, you, yeah, I, have, you know, I, give so me your violin play. chart. Yeah. I saw you play with Marion Faithful, Bill Summers. I mean, the list was Smokey Robinson. The yeah, list was I mean, pretty amazing. My first jazz fest in New Orleans, I played with Smokey Robinson, but that I wasn't improvising, but still, I mean, my right. God. Right. I almost passed out when I saw him. When I heard it, it's not when I saw him, it's when I heard his voice. I was like, oh, wow. that's so beautiful. <laughs> so I'm interested in, like, so in terms of this visualization, you mentioned. These are all strong architecture cities. I'm just going to throw that out there because, Ooh. you know, like, you know, and you also talked about color mm -hmm. and I'm wondering about form as well. Like, you know, let's go there. Let's, 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 let's take them right into the classroom. Like, right. So if you had a way and I, and I hear from the way that, you know, your voiture, like you're, you're definitely speaking French. I know you speak French. Yes. And, um, so where, what colors and what, like, like, what are your, like, like your main colors pattern in architecture for the cities that you've lived in? Because I'm thinking my, one of my, my favorite building is the Pantheon in Rome for somewhat Ooh. reason. And I'm a modernist, but I would, or contemporary, I don't know what I am, but I was just thinking about for someone who loves modern design as much as I, I have never felt a space that did that to me. So I was just wondering, like, architecturally since you had named chicago you had named new orleans you talk about living on this border on the edge of things like what's the color light and pattern for some of these places oh i like that well i mean here we talk about blue stone in the hudson valley well the, and here i've got there are slate quarries and marble quarries up here so blues and whites um you know, it, and, and green, 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 like so much green. Yeah. <laughs> and, Except when the sky is on Except fire. when the sky is orange today. Yeah, and, uh, right. It's hazy out there, but it's still pretty green where I'm at. Green, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, right. as, as it's myopically green and then there is a haze. But yeah, I, I it's, uh, but, but New Orleans, you know, is also, 
it, you know, I'm a, I love nature and I, so in New Orleans, I go out to the swamps a lot and I notice the lily pads and uh, mm. my, my favorite time in New Orleans is March into April when these lily pads are just giant and they are, um, they are flooding the swamps. I mean, they're just mm. all blanketing the swamps and you're waiting for these big giant flowers to emerge. And then it's also browns and greens and blues and and then you've got egrets and herons and alligators and and scales. that sound of the night on the swamps in New Orleans—that's <sighs> amazing. Crickets and frogs yeah. and and here it's, it's for yeah. it's birds. There's a lot of birds here. It's up. It's like uh, like uh, feathery and light. And in New Orleans, it's heavy and right. and intense and rich and. Would would Chicago be synthetic then? Is that one of the reasons why you you kind of gravitated to to, to leave it? Well, at the time, it was because I felt like um, it was like this blocky, organized, structural. uh, Yeah. And and I'm like, I I wanted to like, you know, get into the jazz scene via Indian music and classical music and Belgian folk songs and Wunderdu, you know, and avant-garde. And and it's funny because people say, oh, did you, were you in the trad jazz? And I was like, no, I was into really, really abstract, surrealist, avant-garde And jazz. that really comes across in your music. And that's what I yeah. love abstract art. I love abstract things. And I actually heard Sun Ra playing with the Grateful Dead on a New Year's Eve. Nice. Like in 1980 or something like that. Oh, and that on, is awesome. Yeah, yeah, Sun Ra with the Dead was amazing. And, uh, <laughs> but it kept at... I hate to, I'm not gonna, just going to say that your music, when I listen to it, I could sort of access my that time a little bit, when mostly through music, not visually, where I could go into like a little bit of an altered state, to say the least. And it happens more with music than it does visually. It happens visually sometimes, but it really happens with music. When I heard that the megaphone came out, you're plucking away, I was I fell in love with it because I was able to access that mm, good that, that <laughs> abstract feeling that sort of uh all psychedelic yeah psychedelic i'll say and well i i will say that my love for the avant-garde and the abstract and like i said i mean i i started learning from people that were playing with sun Ra and you know but i also i also was in new orleans and i played a lot with a lot of funksters you know a lot of funk and i I didn't know what I was doing. My my funk licks were so lame at first, but I I was trying my best. Like I was thinking about the rhythm and but you got to feel it and it wasn't until I danced about 3 years worth of carnival parades and and second lines and was out there dancing and moving and shaking and then I was like, "Oh, yes. Okay. It's a bigger beat. It's not this like neurotic like it's like it's like you got to, you know, you got to put your foot down and then respond. And that rhythmic training in New Orleans, I'm so happy I landed there to learn music because the it's all about rhythm. And the first day, and then I got, I got into looping because I thought I could create this cello rhythm section that could make people move their feet and um, that could become a base for, you know, I love pioneering the cello. And and a lot of people have been doing it, but I I love taking the cello and 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 pushing the limits of what is possible. And the first time I saw somebody dance to my music, I just I was just in heaven. I loved it. Oh, and so wow. there there's that plus the cerebral avant-garde abstraction married together creates this like weird little like freight train of Belgian American surrealism that I guess is me. But yeah, that's you, my you that's my jam. The other instrument that does that for me is the tuba. Ooh, yeah. Well, the tuba's got all these overtones in it. You yeah. can get all types of stuff in there. Yeah, the my tuba. dad was a tuba player. Oh, was he? I love the tuba. Yep. Like Howard Johnson, when mm. he plays on, uh, you know, when he plays, uh, I think this song called Sally Drake. It, it just, I don't hear any of the other music. I just hear the tuba. Yeah. I, I, I actually have a question. When yes. Your music is very multi-layered and, you know, it's got plucking and uh, when you compose is it the same kind of thing where you're ocding it up or or are is it 
Is it, um, what's, your, actually, pro what's no. your process like for, okay. for writing? Process is pain. Um, I was kidding. No, but it, they're, they're, <laughs> you're kidding, but you're not kidding. Okay. <laughs> no, um, there, there's it, you know, I think a lot about, um, like, I need to like, keep myself like, it's a, I mean, okay, this is an age old metaphor, the seed underground, you know, seed can't have any light, you know, it, it stays dormant, and then it gets water, and then it slowly finds a way up. I mean, it feels very much like I have to create an environment of uh, like a, you know, like life, you need a membrane around it, around mm. a bunch of elements. So once I get a lot of elements and I've got fodder, which is endless fodder living, if you're, if you're curious and awake and alive and, uh, you know, then you're going to have fodder. But then at some point, it's like maybe I create time away from performing night after night. Uh, this cabin is part, partly my membrane for hopefully creating a more creativity in a, in a larger context. But, you know, I'll be, I'll be on the road and something will just pop into my head. I record it and then it's out there in my phone or on, you know, on a piece of paper. And then at some point I create this membrane and I gather, I gather some things together and it becomes more, it becomes hot. Mm. It's, it's got heat and it, and then it's something can break out and out of that. And then, um, and then I think of an idea and then I'll, I'll either, um, Play, I like to play the piano. I think a lot of musicians go to the piano, but I, I, I'm one of those where the piano sometimes is easier for me to work an idea out than the cello, but sometimes I'll, I'll just be, on the cello, I lose myself. On the piano, I am thinking. <laughs> mm. so, so with the cello and everything, I can just be like in this altered state. I, I am a radar to a higher power that is not me and I am channeling now it gets tricky unless I'm recording while I'm playing the cello to harness that whereas when I'm on the piano I can kind of think and put it down and then take it to the cello and then maybe record and express it and express it yeah express and I can yeah, I can express things on the piano but my skills are just so limited on the piano honestly they're just it's more of a tool for me to bring to the art form that I am actually skilled at you know so i want to i want to get right to it I've, I, i'm sensing like you know and i'm interested in this because um i'm always being told i'm i'm, I'm too emotional mm, yeah <laughs> okay. I, I understand you know, fuck, fuck that shit you know what i mean fuck that i, know. I am always being told but i want to be you know, emotional but be emo you know i think what's really critical is i want to i want to how does emotionality because i'm hearing like you, I almost felt like a sense of like you were trying to explain this kind of like dark place that you need to like the fodder, the 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 incubating right or something space, yeah. the breakout, the seeking for the light, and then the expression. Like, how does you know? How do you what what where, what do you what do you say to another creative that's out there? You know, you 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 kind of claimed your tallness. Like, what do you? How do you? How would you? Yeah explain like the emotionality connected to that those those things that you just explained and how important <laughs> that is you know what i mean and how important that is i feel like we sometimes like we're trying to i don't know i feel that's way you know that you're sometimes emotionality is not appropriate for the given condition for the this good is a, but just so you're you know this is a constant conversation this is a constant here. conversation this is a constant it's conversation between the two of us like <laughs> like doing doing something and getting stuff done i get it but i think people undermine they don't they they undervalue that emotional space that's so necessary Yes. Creativity okay. to be yes. yes, you know. Yes, yes, I yes. Wanna, I, yes. I, I'm getting the sense that you go there. Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. I always go there. Okay. I, <laughs> I, I can't help it. And it's actually and and it it's uh being tapped into your own emotion um is a is a very, very uh 
intuitive. It's a natural, it's a constant um, in my life. So I am constantly tapped into this stream of emotion. And mm -hmm. out of that, I can, or it's like a big root, like an invasive root. And, and, it, and, it, and every now and then it sends a shoot up of an idea. And I'm like, oh, right, thank right, God. Right. Thank you God we organized. Make a living from. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I but get like, it. But I, I wouldn't have the ideas if, and, and actually it's interesting because if I don't, I, 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 even if I have an idea that's very cerebral, like I got down a mathematic rabbit hole that is really, um, I did, my brain works really well. My creativity works really well when I can get, I'm never going to get out of the emotion either. I'm always there, but right. I'm, when I can balance everything where I, I have nature exercise good food sleep yes 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 water yes. um and then reading writing art i need to draw and math for some reason i added that to the equation and i i did that as an experiment recently a couple of years ago during the pandemic i thought let me just let me just do some graphing and see what happens and i did this circular kind of activities in in the productive, creative realm, uh, if you can call reading creative, I think so. I mean, sure. everything's create. I mean, it's you're feeding. I mean, I'm feeding myself, and then hopefully it sparks an idea, right? And so, if I if I stay balanced, and I think it's it's good to, um, it, what happened was, <laughs> was I I started feeling connected like all the things were connected and helping each other. And then I was able to come out with an idea that was all of all of the emotion with the intellect meeting each other. And that's my goal is really to, to, um, you know, uh, when I'm when I'm composing and creating to have a good balance, and mm -hmm. it, it, it help it just helps spark an idea. It's a, little bit, it's a little bit your practice. That's how but, you practice being great beforehand. Yeah. And it has to be holistic. It's not, yeah. no, it has nothing to do. People are like, oh, am I going to hear you practicing the cello? I'm like, eh, probably not. You're probably going to see, you're <laughs> right. probably going to see. I, I did a lot of that already. And I do, and I, I will, here I've got more time off this summer than I've ever had. Um, and I am, I'm gardening, I'm sculpting, I'm, uh, reading again and I'm starting to draw again and I think that hopefully will lead me into composing and that that's I'm hoping but we'll see yeah no, well, I think when, that's I, a when I perform when I perform though the goal is to take all of that other stuff and just throw it out the window and I'm pure intuition pure emotion mm -hmm. and it but but I'm I'm in I'm in control I'm not I mean I have like teared up after my mother died, I performed, I cried three right. times during my show. But like, you know, there are times in life where the filter is not there. But when I'm performing, I try to be this conduit right. to that emotional place. And it goes straight up and out. Yes. And that's, that's what I'm hoping to get to, because all of the other stuff is internalized. My fingers think, know what to do, everything knows what to do. You know? I, I think when I see, there is a scene like, I don't know, I'm thinking of like, um, Meryl Streep walking in those Manola Blahniks during the Devil Wears Prada. And for some reason, she's doing exactly the same thing. She is channeling like everything about the character that she's embodied in that moment from an emotional place, but it's not just come out in practice. And I think right. those are the things that we respond to. I mean, there's different things. I mean, we could talk about painting, sculpture and all this stuff, but yeah, I, I, I wanted to, I wanna advocate for those who are listening, for you know, because this is a conversation, and 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 there, and it's not at it's not at opposites for me and Ed. Ed is Ed calls himself the blood interested. Ed is my rock in terms of a lot of things, but it's is I just want to advocate for being completely out of control for a while and not knowing whether or not you'll make it to shore. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean that. You that, know what I mean. <laughs> I teach improvising a lot to classically yeah. trained people or people that are trained in maybe traditional jazz or something. And what I say is, you know, what do you enjoy? What do you dance to? What do you, uh, 
you know, make love to? What do you, when you're upset, what do you listen to to make you cry? What do you, uh, what makes you smile? What makes you laugh? Like put, put those things on and play along with those things and feel your feelings while you're playing and see, see how that could unlock something different um, in your playing because you're trying, people are, you know, you get like a neuro pathway, right? Psychology is like, if you, if you have a trauma, it's just, sometimes it's a pretty wide freaking pathway and it's hard to get out of it. Right. I, so, I, I will, I, I will just say that Ed Letterman, <laughs> he's aware of it or not, is one of the most emotional people that I know. And yet, but it's a, it's in a laser. Mm. It's in a laser Ooh. of focus. And he's mm. able to like, like sometimes I'm like an octopus and he's a complete laser. And then the photograph just goes, and nice. it's, it's just a speed. And that's my observation of you. I love it. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, and I really appreciate it. Uh, what, how I see, I just see it a little differently. And this is how, <laughs> I, uh, how I see it. I see that we all have practices and these practices lead us to, you know, doing the things that we love doing, but without the, pre- like for me, if I'm really having a bad day, and I've said this before on the podcast, uh, um, if I walk out without, with my camera, the day might get this much better, but sometimes it just turns into magic. Right. You know, and yeah. you never know, but it's better than sitting at home wallowing, basically. Right, right. And He's not, you're not a wallower. No, I'm not a wallower. But I don't think so. that, emo- but again, I want to just say for our audience, I don't, again, I just want to say that whatever, wherever you are on the emotional spectrum, I don't want to negate or value judge, right, yeah. you know, the, the, the emotional process, because I think what happens, I think for a lot of people who, who really want to be creative and, and engage in a creative act, I think is terrifying. The mm-hmm. minute they stop doing that thing, do you know what I mean? That they're like, they yeah. know that they'll always get a prize or a thumbs up for, right? Right. You're entering dangerous territory when you begin to ex- want, want to express yourself. Right. Yeah. I, I had some, when I started singing, uh, I'd been in the avant-garde jazz world, playing a lot of instrumental music for a long time. And then I started singing in French, mainly to keep I was my my I was born in Belgium. My first language was French. So my there's this whole part of me that's in there that's French. French and thinks and, in French. And thinks and in I French. Think you're Flemish feels, though, right? Flemish? I'm not I'm not Flemish, but I was born in a Flemish hospital. Right. Okay. <laughs> because <laughs> you still get credit, Helen. You get Thank good. you. Yeah. <laughs> I know like eight words in Flemish. Right. I I'm horrible. Um but but I, yeah, I'm a very, my whole family, we, we, we talk, uh, the French culture is very expressive. I'm speaking with my hands because of them. Um, we, we express ourselves and there's a lot of emotion also in, in the Belgian side of my family. The American side was much more, you know, reserved as far as that goes. And I, I wanted, I also don't want to lose my French. And I, I realized I was in love with New Orleans and I, I wanted to stay there. So I, just started singing in French, you know, and uh, learning these French songs that are very beautiful, poetic, expressive, cinematic. And it felt good. It felt really good to start singing these things, which was the gateway into me composing my own songs. And uh, so it was, but, but I remember these jazz people that I was working with were, um, were like, well, you can't do both. I'm like, well, watch me, you know, um, but like, <laughs> it's like, I want, I'm going to follow where I want to go. What's do you that? Hear, do you hear the song in your head or do you start playing the instrument and hear it? I usually hear the song in my head first and then start playing it. Um, but there are, there are times where it, it, it depends. It's, it's a, it's not just one way. It's a lot right. of different ways. Right. Okay. Some, but, but I have to say out of all the ways, you know, I could I could say for the majority of the time, it's either I hear it in my head, I immediately go to the piano if I can. If I can't, I sing the melody into something I can record to remember later. Sometimes I think of words to put those down first. And then this is familiar process for a lot of singers, songwriters, I think. And then, but then sometimes I am in the middle of the 
expressing on the cello and I and this loop because the layers and layers and layers of looping that I'm doing now I don't, I don't even know my foot I, I said my right foot is like my producer and she's just making all the decisions at this point and I don't even know what she's doing anymore she's so independent like I'm I'm over there playing the cello and singing a song and she's just like okay we like this record uh no 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 not yet not yet and I'm like really not yet and I'm like soloing and and then she's like yeah we like it bam and I'm like okay it, it's becoming very schizophrenic but um but it's fun because I'm I'm basically creating something that I'm not even in control it doesn't feel like I'm I'm not obviously I must be in some control of it but it really does feel pretty unruly like you're leading I love that, that you, you you mentioned that thing about this higher this higher consciousness this higher self this higher power before and that seems to be the thing that you're talking about um yeah, I just very want to say, I want to also confess to the audience I love a good Gantt chart and I love a good spreadsheet despite <laughs> being the most emotional person there possibly could be all right I love like I feel like the Gantt chart mm. and the spreadsheet is my piano yeah it's thought so funny because i have the opposite view of all that for myself because i really have to wake up and look up at the sky and see and then plan the day from there not plan it the night before you know i could try planning it according to you know you know i watch the weather all the time just to see what's going to happen so i could start planning but it's it's reforming the day every day, most you know, on most most days. It's sort of an interest. It's sort of very jazz like to me. You know, it reminds me of gonna, jazz. Yeah. It reminds me of, have, of jazz of improvising. You're but improvising. Yeah. yeah, so I'm improvising every day. But it feels there is a not a skill, but there is a what what do they call it? You know, there is you know just a ritual to it. Also, it's not just you go out there and you make up stuff all day. You, right. you know, you, you really think about how the day is going to go and you just get good at it. Just like when you were playing, Helen, the longer you play, the better you get. And just sort of like Layden is doing some amazing work these days. And you just keep getting better and better. And, yeah. you know, the more you practice, you know, I just want to say one thing about you guys are very similar. I could tell in just sort of, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, but we're all very similar. But you, might how you think? Yeah. So Layden always likes. So if Layden's a little frustrated with me, for instance, I will tell a vulnerable story. Too, right? Oh, <laughs> and it and it totally calms me down. I'll just say okay. Because uh, I'll tell a story about just what, you know, I mean, the reason I became a photographer was that I was just such a lonely kid and I had this camera that I used to play. And 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 just what you said, Helen, there's pain in it, but there's so much joy in it. You know, the joy is internal. So I don't think of joy as not a non-painful, you know, just a I don't think of it as happy. I think of it as an internal mm. thing that I get to do this every day. Mm -hmm. You know, and sometimes it reminds me of being a loner as a kid and, you know, all those different things. But I love when Ed tells these stories. I love, <laughs> I love it. Because Lane could tell 50 of these in like a minute. And it was, I, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, the thing, the thing that I want to just talk about our partnership, like Ed, Ed, Ed is my, I know Ed is my coach. But we're, right. like I, my emotionality had led me to not being able to function, <laughs> you know, and so Ed actually mentorship, mentorship, and he he might not he might not think of it as a spiritual guide, but he spiritually for me guided me back to how to take that emotionality and put it into its respective, let's call it bucket, like where it's appropriate, like you know, and then then there's these other actions that you need to take to function you know that's beautiful I, I had a teacher in college in my classical training uh, I had something horrible it was a big breakup you know and uh -oh. I was I was I know I was just a mess it was like tears and I, I was literally the I was going to perform a concerto so I, I had this ball gown on and I was like the princess with the ball gown just was like tear I was like oh my god and um oh. 
and and my my uh, teacher was like, look, this is great. And I was like, no, it's not great. He's like, no, he's like, it's it's not great, and I'm sorry. And we'll talk. We can talk about it because he was, you know, one of these mentors. He's like, if you need to talk about it uh, later, you can. Right now, what you have to do is go play this concerto that you've been practicing a year to memorize. Right, right. And and all of this feeling, you got. You're gonna put it. Yes. You put it in, into the cello and out into the world. Yeah. And and when when I mean, I remember thinking, well, yeah, but I gotta express. I, I'm like, <laughs> oh, that is my way of expressing. It's like yeah. I can use somebody else's soliloquy, you know. Right. And and that's the thing about classical music that didn't feel total. It was after that that I thought, okay, this is great, and yes, it's effective, but I want more. I want a clearer mm -hmm. channel from me out into the world. And so then I, I wanted improvising. I wanted to explore all of the possibilities within this tool that, I mean, honestly, the cello saved my ass. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, and when you play, you play, you're, you are just, you are, out of, you're having an out of body experience except for your I, fingers, I, I think. I mean, and they know what they're, luckily they know what they're doing because I spent a lot are, of hours are, in the practice just, room. I think I'll she, see you with my dad on June 16th. She is shaking and she's rocking, you know? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. And so the, um, it, it's worth seeing. I mean, I, I think you're great. You're gonna, you're, I, you're I, going, you're, I don't know if you remembered me asking you if you would be on the podcast last summer. Yeah, I do. Uh, when I, yeah, as soon as I, as soon as I saw your face, I remembered you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a labor. Like creatively, we we have these two different, very different practices, and um, you know, the more the every time I have the these conversations with a creative with Ed, I know we're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah, and, I mean, like and, that's what's and, so beautiful about. This. I just want to correct one thing. I learn we learn from each other. It's yes, not, you know. So the it, what is really great about our friendship is that we, we bring different things to the table. And Layton has got, he started, wherever he started from, he is like, he's like crazy. And he can't yeah. even talk about some of the things he's doing right now. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's, it, it, it's been, it's been a good, it's, 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 it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's been a good couple of years for me. I'm 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 grateful. But these last few months are like got, the last few months have been pretty amazing. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so I, I have one quick question before we get back into the creativity. What's it like having a travel companion who's a cello? Yeah, I mean, it's it does start in in Italy. Once I was taking the bus, and my flight case looks like a coffin, you know, and uh, and so this woman. And this was, it was new, it was a new flight. Now it's covered in stickers, but before it was just this like, it really did look like a coffin. Uh, it's And it's like about, it comes up to here. And there was this short Italian woman on the bus. I was taking a bus with my cello. And it, it, like in the in the subway, I can kind of hold on to it and I hold on to it, you know. And uh, anyway, um, this woman, she goes, and I don't speak Italian, but I know enough Spanish and French, you know, that I, pieced it together but it took me a second so she goes she's looking up at me and the cello and me and the cello and she goes su marito defunto <laughs> and, I, and it like took me like it was like three two one ah i got it you know and and it, and it was um i just like yeah it my dead husband's with me all the time but it, it's, a, it's like a joke like my gothy you know like cellists are yeah. Anyway, cello can be very like gothy. I know, and dramatic, but when you get on a plane, where do you put that thing? This this cello, I'll give a shout out to Quebec. Um, needs some love right now, anyway. So, uh, but the Quebec City has a luthier that makes these, and they go underneath the plane. And wow. I, when I when I researched flight cases, I wanted one. You know, I couldn't. I'm a punk rocker too. Like I just kind of, I'm a free agent. I go where I want to go. But right. I want to bring the cello with me, you know, and I, um, like when I got my festival gig in Australia, I was like, give me the travel buyout. I'm going to New Zealand for a week. And I played like six shows in New wow. Zealand, all by, all on my own, like just driving my ass around. Yeah, it's not like traveling with a flute, you know? 
No, no, it's not. No, no. You, but that's why the flight case becomes important, or else you're buying a ticket, and that's expensive, right? So, so I researched for six months, and I found this guy that makes these, and all the reviews were great. I mean, I knock on wood, I've had it for twelve years, twelve years, and it I've taken it all around the world, wow. and it's it's been it's been all right. So a shout out to Vadis Gouillard <laughs> um, in Canada. Right. And actually, it needs some love right now. I replaced the handle and it's getting pretty beat up. So I'm going to actually drive it up there this summer and get it worked on. So. Wow, nice. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, um, Lady, you got any questions? No, but I'm, wonder, I'm wondering if... Um, That's what I was Helen thinking too, Lady. Helen, <laughs> have any, any questions for us or... Or well, anything, what anything has you know inspired you for any curiosity or? Well, so my my grandfather was a photographer, and, uh, and he had the Photo Gilet in Verviers, Belgium, was his store, and he was one of the first uh, first stores in Belgium to get color film. Wow! And he uh, he was asked to go film the 1950s something, I won't, some 56, I'm going to guess, Expo in Brussels. Uh, but he, he was a creative, but also he succumbed to his emotional difficulty, you know? Mm, right. And I, and I, yeah. And I actually, that's, it's not, not being emotional. It's the fear of being emotional will make me fail or fall <laughs> off the, will fall, you know, just get in the way of me falling off and failing. I'll filter. I'll and filter. then I'll never get back on. Right, I, right. I hear you. That's, that's valid. It is valid, isn't it? It's like it, yeah. it, I I get that feeling because I um I have an example of it in my family, and I I I don't. I have several examples of it in my family. We'll so do I. That, so but, do I. Yeah, yeah. and I, and I just feel like it's it's this line you work you walk as an artist. You have to express yourself, and in order to express yourself, you have to. Uh, deal with the you have to be brave enough courageous enough yes to look at the the sorrowful melancholy side of joy and yes. and it, the wider that gets you know if you can understand more of the sorrow you can understand that joy but you having uh, a tool that feels reliable and steady can really help stay focused and I, I that's why I'm so grateful for my classical training on the cello because I but honestly if you if you start today if you start when you're in your 50s and your 60s and your 70s you start with a pencil and a paper just do that every day and the practice I, I agree with you you know that uh, that the practice like that can be so it's just a reassuring thing it's a you can channel all of this in, into a practice that gets better over time. But the, the point is you're a human being with a breath of experience that you're putting into that yeah. practice. And mm -hmm. um, I, but anyway, I, I guess that's not a question, um, but I, I, I am curious about photography because um, I was thinking about that time of black and white into color and I've been often fantasized about, you know, or romanticized that time in my grandfather's life where he, he was in this black and white world constantly through the lens. And I love that you said you were in your camera when you were- I little. heard that as well. I heard the in my camera, not-, not in there. In my camera, like, yeah. but in my camera, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, 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 it's like a little, uh, it's like a little cello for me then. I guess that that's what we all have, you know, just, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. And, and the, um, and, and for me, what I love about photography uh, is the experience of photography. Take that moment. It's sort of like you get to do it for a long time. But for me, going like that is the moment. Like looking at it, it's sort of cool. It's fun. You know, if it's really great, you know, I mean, you know, to have a picture that, you know, shows love, you know, say, okay, the experience was, the picture was almost as good as the experience. But I love the fact that the experience is almost always as good or better than the photograph. Mm. It's interesting. I uh, practicing design, we're always aiming to for the for it to be photographed. It's very interesting. This kind of thing that only let's say a few people experience physically and environmentally, 
we aim for the photograph of the space. That's the that's the archive of, right. the, of the spaces we design or the objects is the is this photograph of it. So what about the, okay, so the design work, when somebody experiences a space that you have created. Physically in real life and in real time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, isn't that hard to photograph, that capture that moment? Oh, that... You, you can't, you, you yeah. just cannot, you, you really can't. And, and sometimes I'm deeply disappointed by the photograph. Mm. I'm deeply, deeply, deeply disappointed because there's a feeling, and I think that's true for anything. Eddie. I think you would even yeah. confess. You take oh, gorgeous absolutely. photographs, but then there's this thing like you were not in the woods. You right. have to have felt being in the woods. You tried as much as you can to extract it, but it's almost another experience of the woods. The I feel that way. The woods. You yeah. Know? <laughs> you know. Recorded music versus my live show, same thing. A hundred percent, right? Like well, we walk away with memory versus kind of evidence. Yeah, videographers become very useful. And the better the videographer, the more handheld, intuitive they can right. be. I mean, I, I think, you know, um, I did an NPR tiny desk contest for the first time this year, um, but I... I loved the the camera guy was so beautiful uh, Dominic Sanders in New Orleans. Um, mm -hmm. He he was able to really capture, and I was like, get the foot, because the foot's doing a bunch of stuff. So mm -hmm. it was like the footwork were part. It was part of it, and he just really understood. And but that but still, it's not it's not the same as being in the room. But the vid video is really interesting to me because it creates this other yeah. dimension uh, and is. right. It's right. so funny. I did. I did. I see. If somebody does one thing, I will do the opposite. If some, if everybody's looking this way, I'm going to look this way. It's just my nature. And <laughs> so the, I did 64 films, two minute films for Brian Park, right? And you know, just the little scenes of New York. But I never moved the camera. It was, they were videos. I I pick things that moved a lot. As ah. opposed to ever moving the camera. So I think maybe we did two or three that they moved. And they showed them for two, you know, we did 16 a season. So oh, we did those four were those seasons. big panels. Yeah, they were on the big panels over, yeah. a, you know, and they showed for two years until Ida took, you know, the Hurricane Ida took them away. But but when they said do videos, they said, you know, I'm just not going to move the camera. <laughs> like, because um, I'm not really a videographer. And I said, let, you know, do what I do best. You know, let things, let's find things that just move. And so, so anyway, that was just my take that's on that. That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I, mean, I, I, I am sort of that person who is said, if everybody's looking this way, I'm going to figure out what's interesting this way. And I think I have to do with like my loner side, the, the lone wolf, which I don't do anymore because now I'm just connected with Layden. I have new partners and young partners in photography and video who I'm working with. And it's been great. So I've sort of actually able to change. Anyway, we're getting close to where you have to go. Yes. Got to go teach a lesson. Yeah. All right. So, so uh, this is a great, uh, we, we're definitely going to have you. You were just amazing to talk to. And because uh, oh, I even want to hear more about your creative process, you know, which just because I, I haven't seen you play. I just know how into it you are. There is nothing that's left on it. You are like an I'm athlete. A builder. Who, builder. Yeah. And you leave nothing on the, you leave nothing on the table when you're playing you know it's just all out there so give us your info right yes um well you could follow me you mean like where yeah, people follow everything yeah. okay so um if you want to pay the musician for the music that you hear online as in this case me uh go to bandcamp and forward slash helen gelay and you can purchase my music, download it, or physically, I just went and mailed a vinyl today in order. I have vinyl and CDs and digital downloads and some t-shirts available on my Bandcamp store. But that's that's a good place financially to support me if you're interested in hearing yeah. my music. And, um, and also just, I'm just giving a shout out because it truly is a way that musicians can continue to get paid for their online, you know, putting you put an album out and then you poof you give it to spotify and it's gone you know, I know terrible. um but you there are places that that will 
pay the artists and that's one. Okay. Um, then Instagram is my, my go-to social media. Um, I'm taking a little break right now to be up here and create, but I'll be back on Instagram pretty soon. You can see pictures of my garden that I've been making up here. Um, uh, and then, uh, uh, and what's you, your handle on what's your handle on Instagram? Yeah. Instagram is also Helen Gillet. Facebook, Helen Gillet, H-E-L-E-N-G-I-L-L-E-T. Like Gillette the razor blade, but without the last T-E. I like right. to say. <laughs> you you come up with this issue before I take it. <laughs> oh yeah. Or yeah, Gillette the best a man can get. No, it's Gillet, the best a man can gay. All right. Right. Uh, we're, we're not in Florida. All right. So uh, anyway, but, and, but and your website and then it's Helen There you pretty, go. You type in my name, Instagram, Facebook, my website. Um, and then of course the band camp store, if you want to, uh, and where else you, you playing this, where else you play in the summer? Um, I'm playing, um, in the cat Catskill, um, New York. Uh, I'll be playing at the Avalon Lounge on the 30th of August. Uh, I'm playing in July. I'm playing Baltimore, um, uh, Chicago, Kansas City, Milwaukee, Tulsa, Oklahoma, New Orleans, probably Columbia, South Carolina. I thought you said you were taking the summer off. This is the most time. It's so hard. So I, I... I go on tour. I'm just going to go on tour for two weeks and the okay, July. Okay, yeah. Got it. Got it. All right. But, yeah. but otherwise I'll be up here. I'm playing in New York on July 11th. I Where are you playing say. in New York? Um, it's in the gallery in Red Hook. And I'm actually going to be working with my um, projection artist um, who I mentioned earlier, Shivers is going to be doing projections with me there. And also in a barn in, uh, in Baltimore. She's going to project on, on the Baltimore, barn. on the bar. Uh, that's going to be the, the barn show is the 14th. So <laughs> all, of these, all of these yeah. dates are on HelenGillet.com. Yeah, right. Yes. And, she, and okay. she's not working this I'm, summer. This is the freest summer. And this is sort of like Mary Jane Neal. Remember, she said she was retired. <laughs> well, we did a podcast. Yeah, bye. Said, I've got to go. Right. You know. Well, yes. the, the Living Gallery is the name of the gallery in, in New York City. That's July 11th. But um, so July is going to be a busy month for me. And then um, and then I've got a one show in August, a couple in September. I when I'm in when I'm, you know, that'll fill in. You can follow me on Instagram and I'll give the latest updates is if you if you can stand social media, that's where you should go or just keep your eyes on my website. But yeah, but definitely. I mean, I. I try to slow down and then, you know, you know, and then this like amazing series at Kansas City is like, come. And I'm like, all right. But, um, <laughs> but I, I, I love being a performer. And in fact, I, I perform, I've been performing so much all the time. New Orleans, in the, the month of April and May, I probably played 30 gigs. Wow. I just, I love to perform and learn. I'm learning while I'm playing. I'm improvising with others. And but is Tipitina still there? Yeah, Tipitina's is still there. The, mm. uh, the guys from Galactic bought it mm -hmm. and are doing it justice. They have a new sound system that honestly nice. sounds beautiful. So yeah. So Layton, how about you? Where are we gonna? Um, we you can. My Instagram handle is Layton Lewis Design Studio. That's L E Y D E N. L-E-W-I-S design uh, studio and I am ladenlewis.com and I am at lettermanphoto.com and uh, and I'm also I have a very small mentoring coaching program that with just two or three people a year sometimes um, and those are just for artists who just are a little stuck and they just want to or they just are not stuck and they just want to take it to the next level and it was because I was thought I was going to be a shrink, or my parents thought I was going to be a shrink when I was 21, and this is my sliding door moment where I get to do, you know, a, a, see what that other life was like. So I never thought I would do it. I went to school, and you know, studied. I, it was the first time I did anything outside photography for many, many years. You know, for 35 years when I did it. So. Well, it so, sounds like you're you're good at it, you know, Ed and Layden. What a pleasure to meet you. And, absolutely, and, same and, here. Yeah. Well, I I'm hope really... I run into you when the. Uh, am I allowed to bring my camera to any of your shows? Or sure. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you do a stationary video, make sure to film the foot. Uh, her name is <laughs> oh, here's my only. I do have a piece of advice for you. Carry a bigger sign at Opus Forty. <laughs> oh, okay. I have my Jazz Fest sign. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Last year was like this big on the thing. Yeah. Like I was looking, like uh, you know. All right. Well, okay. Great meeting you, and it was a pleasure. This conversation was joyful, abundant, and yes. nourishing. All right. Absolutely. Yes. Thank, Thank you, you for so having me. Yeah, great. We'll see you soon. See you at Yeah, we'll see you Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. Okay. See well, I'll see you next Friday for sure. Okay. Great. Bye. Okay. So you're going to stop recording, Ed? I am going to stop recording. Stop recording. How do you stop recording? You hit the red button, I think, right? Where's the recording button? Hold on. I'm having like a moment here. Face, chat, FaceTime, share screen, chat, participants. How come there's no, oh, here's under more, stop recording. Record. Sound editing and theme music by Will Ainsley. Brian Rezepko was basically our mentor who really taught us all the technicals, showed us how to get this online. We would not be here without Brian. So thank you, Brian. The logo is by Layden Lewis and Sharon McLaughlin of Mermaid New York City. And um, if you're creative, we would love to hear from you. We would love to, to email us your story. And if we like it, we would love to have you on. And we are looking for creatives to tell their story, what their challenges are, what they love about working in the creative field, what is working for them. Um, so until next time, I hope you guys listen. This podcast is for you. Thanks.